Hello everyone, my name is Reese Karlinski and this is Young History, episode 133 on Kazakhstan. The capital is Astana, and the name Kazakh means free, wanderer, or independent in Turkic. Istan is a suffix that means land in Old Persian and eventually translated into modern languages. So Kazakhstan means land of the free wanderers, which makes sense due to the old nomadic culture that was always present here before we got to the modern age and is still present in the rural areas of the country. By land size, Kazakhstan is the ninth largest nation in the world, and it is also the largest landlocked nation in the world. Kazakhstan has the largest border in the world. Its border with Russia is 4,660 miles, which is ridiculous. That's larger than the size of the United States, west to east, and it has the highest GDP and overall economy in Central Asia. Another crazy thing is that the national drink is horse's milk. And the name of the capital was changed from Nur Sultan to Astana, and that is because of a shift in the language that happened, which we will get into why soon. But Astana simply means the capital. And I don't want to dilly-dally at all. I always say that every single episode, but Kazakhstan's a fun one. Kazakhstan is very big representative of this whole area. And even though there's still one major one left to do of the Astan countries in Central Asia, that being Uzbekistan, this one is still very, very significant, and... We're going to get into the history of why. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And one more time, my name is Reese Karlinski. This is Young History, and this is Kazakhstan. You guys enjoy. Our origins begin back in the Ice Age, when the first people were on these lands as hunters that followed their prey across the vast plains in the region. Not much is known about these earliest people except for their cave drawings that remain in parts of the country to this day. These paintings depict the hunting of reindeer. The Boltai culture is the earliest group of people that can be pinned down. They lived around 3000 BC. They were the first people in the world to domesticate the horse and then spread this teaching across the region. They were nomads, and the nomadic culture remained with the people here for millennia. Later on, the Andalanovo culture was formed around 2000 BC and lasted until 900 BC. They were early metalsmiths and used hatchets to fight and hunt. Also in this time arose the Srubnaya culture. It was prominent at the same time from 1800 BC to 1200 BC. They were mainly bow huntsmen that also adhered to a nomadic lifestyle. A Persian culture migrated in from the south and became known as the Saka, and all these different powers warred back and forth until the arrival of the Scythians. They were a far larger power. They gained great influence because of their warrior culture, superior horseback skills, and mastery of living like a nomad. The Scythians occupied a vast territory that stretched from the northern Black Sea across the Eurasian steppe to the region that is now Kazakhstan. This allowed them to interact and trade with the Greeks, the Persians, and other various Central Asian cultures. Scythian art is renowned for its distinctive style, often referred to as Scythian animal art. It featured motifs of animals in nature, intricately designed on various materials such as gold, leather, and wood. These artifacts have been found in numerous burial mounds called kurgans across Kazakhstan and the rest of the Eurasian steppe. The decline of the Scythian dominance in the region began around 200 BC due to pressures from other tribes and internal conflicts tearing apart the dynasty that was here. Attila the Hun rode in from the east around 435. He raised the land and killed many on his path to expand to the west. Eventually, he would be most prominent in Hungary and in that whole region, but he still established a pretty large empire here. Eventually, we would see the Gulk Turks migrate in from an eastern area near Mongolia. The Gulk Turks worshipped Tengri, the god of the sky and the wind. 
the Gulf Turks expanded their influence across the steppes from 1552 to 603 CE. This was the first time that a Turkic cognate was established, known as the First Turkic Cognate. This cognate spread from Mongolia to the Crimean Peninsula. In 603, ethnic struggles split the cognate in two. And when this happened, Tang Dynasty China saw the opportunity and conquered the eastern side of the cognate. Islam was introduced to the region in 700 when Arab traders interacted with Chinese and Turkic leaders. Islam merged with Turkic culture to form the Central Asian culture we know today. Mongol raids flooded into the country in the 1100s. Genghis Khan conquered the entire region after a brutal campaign where he killed thousands. The region became part of the Golden Horde Cognate, which lasted from 1242 to 1502. During this time, the Mongol conquest led to considerable mingling of peoples. Various Turkic and Mongol tribes intermixed, which influenced the ethnic composition of what would become Kazakhstan. This period also saw a spread of Mongol cultural practices and the Mongolian language. The Mongol rule facilitated trade across the Silk Road, and because of Kazakhstan's very close location to it, a lot of trade passed through this entire area, and goods that came from nomadic cultures, like different ways to prepare meat and gold, were traded with the Western world and the Eastern world as well. Then the cognate started to shift from Mongol in nature to much more Turkic due to the strength and population of the Turkic people here. Ozbeg Khan ruled from 1313 to 1341. He was the first leader to accept Islam fully. After this, Islam quickly took root across the nation and remained the main religion all the way to the present day. In 1386, the, the Toktmash-Timur War began when Tamerlane invaded Central Asia. The war lasted from 1386 to 1395. Timur established brutal control over the land until the mid-1400s because he was unreasonably powerful. He's one of the most brutal conquerors and leaders in history. He raised much of Kazakhstan to the ground, killed people, sexually assaulted women, and just absolutely crushes foes. He also does this thing where he strips people's skulls of skin and then have it mounted in different areas to show how many people he killed. He was absolutely brutal, and because of that, people did resist his rule, and eventually a different power formed in the area. This was the Uzbek Khanate. It established autonomy in the Timur Empire around 1428, and then would go on to last on its own until 1471. In 1465, about 200,000 people who did not support the Uzbeks left to form a new place. They would go to form Mogulistan. These people were led by two brothers, and they became known as the Kazakhs. The name likely means free wanderer independent, as we explained earlier, and that was both taken in by them as a way to describe themselves, and also given to them by the Uzbeks as more of a derogatory term because they were no longer a part of the established unit of Uzbeks, they were independent wanderers, which was kind of an insult. And of course, when they went away, the Uzbeks were very upset, so this led to wars between the two. The Uzbeks first invaded in 1468, and this began the Kazakh War of Independence. This war was fought for almost 40 years and lasted until 1500. Fighting was brutal, and the Uzbeks seemed like they would win in many times, but the Kazakhs were able to use guerrilla tactics and kind of hit-and-run tactics across the plains to establish victory, and eventually they were able to establish themselves as an independent cognate. And one of the early leaders was Janabek Khan, who led until the early 1500s, where he died. His death led to massive dynastic struggles and an eventual civil war between his heirs. The war between his heirs lasted from 1522 to 1538. After a great struggle, the Kazakhs were able to maintain autonomy and establish the independent Kazakh cognate. The Khanate lasted all the way until 1822. The Khanate expanded its territorial rule throughout the 1500s by defeating the Uzbeks over and over again. One of the major rulers 
After this was Qasim Khan, who ruled from 1511 to 1521. He saw the military and territorial peak of the nation. The Kazakhs became the leaders of the steppes. Around the 1600s, the Khanate split into three parts, the Great Horde, the Middle Horde, and the Lesser Horde. This weakened the Khanate overall and left it more susceptible to invasion. And within no time, it would bring them into conflict with other powers. First, it was the Zungars. The Kazakh-Zungar Wars were fought from 1643 to 1756. They started when Mongol descendants moved into the area to attack the Kazakhs. Abul Kahir Khan led the Kazakhs to many victories in the peak of these wars. And the main reason the Kazakhs were able to win was because those three individual provinces reunited to challenge this foreign enemy rather than dealing with autonomy or anything. They could deal with that later, they just had to defeat the Zungars first. The wars between these two went back and forth, with each side gaining victory in some areas and then losing it once again. The Kazakhs had many more of these defeats and were pushed into desperation. The Kazakhs started to reach out to Russia for help. The Lesser Horde started these negotiations in 1730. Eventually, the Zungar were defeated and they had to deal with the Chinese. The Chinese then ordered the Zungar genocide from 1755 to 1758. This killed 80% of the Zungar population, which is about 450,000 people of Mongol descent. Despite the defeat of the Zungar people, Russia still advanced its encroachment onto Kazakh land. The Kazakhs would continue to fight in many wars with different powers in the area, but they were overall victorious. However, this ended in 1820 when the Russians defeated the Middle and Great Horde to conquer all of Kazakhstan. The Lesser Horde had pretty much already agreed to be a part of Russia in those earlier Zungar wars. Russian settlers moved into the land to establish Russian rule. Russian policy was enacted, which shifted the country to focus on Russification nationwide. Photomatic lifestyle of the Kazakhs was challenged and weakened by the Russian culture. The Russians brought industrialization and other modernization, but this was heavily rejected by the Kazakhs, who saw this as a way to eliminate their old way of life. Uprisings against Russia were very common. Makhamabed, Ultimusli, led one of these uprisings. Despite the wide support, the Russian Empire still brutally crushed any and all uprisings, and especially the ones led by him, which eventually got him executed. In World War I, Russia mandated a draft across its lands, and this included Kazakhstan. The Kazakhs refused to be a part of this draft and resisted the Russian authority. The Russians retaliated violently and crushed the resistance. And this brewed into another revolt. The Central Asian Revolt of 1916 started when ethnic Central Asians were massacred by Russian settlers in their homes. In Kazakhstan, the Tsar ordered a full invasion. The Russian military used a machine gun to kill those that repelled, and by the end of it, over 100,000 Kazakhs were executed. The Russian Revolution saw the communist forces take over the country in 1917. The Kazakhs took this instability as a time to establish an independent state. The Kazakhs took this opportunity to establish an independent state in the midst of all the instability. Alash Orda was established. It was an independent Kazakh provisional government, but it only lasted until 1920 when the Russians returned, this time wearing red stars as the USSR. Kazakhstan was added to the Soviet Union, and the Kazakh Socialist Soviet Republic was fully established by 1925. Soviet Rule Kazakhstan suffered from the abusive and idiotic policies of the USSR. Stalin's collectivism was enacted in Kazakhstan. These policies misused resources in the land, and this angered farmers that worked in the land. In retaliation, these working-class farmers killed livestock, which ruined the food supply. Russia never stopped in to help the Kazakh people, which led to the Kazakh famine. The Kazakh famine lasted from 1931 to 1933. It killed between 1.5 and 2 million Kazakhs. 
Many scholars label this as a genocide due to the way that the Kazakh food lines were cut off and nothing was done to help the Kazakhs get food despite being a socialist satellite state of the Soviet Union. Russia continued to move into the land and made Kazakhs a minority by the 70s. Parts of Kazakhstan were also used as a nuclear testing site, and reports show that over 1.5 million experienced health issues due to the presence of radiation. And then there was also the Aral Sea catastrophe. In the 80s, the Soviet Union attempted to create a dam project near the Aral Sea, but it failed and ended up completely draining what was once the fourth largest lake in the entire world. So they drained and made bone dry the fourth largest lake in the world. Ridiculous by the Russians, but what do you expect from this Soviet time where Kazakhstan was seen more as a place to test things and use people than it was as an actual country? at least in the eyes of the Soviets. The Virgin Lands Campaign was a movement that encouraged agricultural development of the nation. It was led by Din Mukhamid Kuneev. Kuneev was a prominent figure in Kazakh politics for over 20 years in the Soviet era. He encouraged expansion of agriculture, technology, availability of food, and expansion of other necessary sectors. So when he started to resist against the idea of the country not advancing, it caught a lot of wind and moved a lot of things forward quickly. And now we can get into the end of the Soviet Union. By December of 1991, every single former Soviet nation had left the Union, including Belarus. Then, on December 12th of 1991, Russia itself left the Soviet Union, which meant that Kazakhstan was the only Soviet Union state left, which means that it was now the entire Soviet Union. This lasted for four days until Kazakhstan itself seceded from the USSR and became the country it is today. The reason the Kazakhs held on to USSR status longer than anyone else was because the soon-to-be president, Nursultan Nazarbayev, gained political power through his healthy relationship with Nikola Gorbachev. The Kazakhs and Nazarbayev specifically feared that the end of the Soviet Union would mean the end of Russian relations with Kazakhstan. So when it was all said and done, Kazakhstan was the very last nation to declare independence from the Soviet Union and did help them maintain relations with Russia. Now, upon independence, Nursultan Nazarbayev became the first president. He quickly became a dictator, even though he was widely supported. He held power in the country all the way until 2019. His leadership had very high highs and very low lows. Kazakhstan became the richest country in Central Asia due to the massive oil discoveries that were made. It was exported heavily and was funded back into the nation. This led to huge infrastructure development in the capital and other large cities. Kazakhstan also became a major producer of energy, and this is why they were able to build pipelines to different countries and have been exporting it as another part of their economy as well. Nazarbayev directly claimed these industries for the government of Kazakhstan rather than having them shared in any way. He also made good ties with Russia, China, and in some cases, the United States. Good relations with Russia led to many Russians moving out of Kazakhstan, and this allowed the Kazakhs to become the majority once again. A massive natural gas pipeline was then constructed between Kazakhstan and China as a representation of their good relations. But, on the other side, Nazarbayev was frequently ridiculed for his abuse of human rights. Nazarbayev eliminated the rights of the press, protesters, and any opposition parties. He also arrested people who protested against him, and sometimes executed them, abused them, or did things that were even worse. This all lasted until 2019, when very serious protests gripped the capital and the entire nation. Nazarbayev left office earlier than he planned to, and then hand-selected his successor, Kasyum Jomart Tokayev. Tokayev won the impromptu presidential election, but almost every international organization marked the elections as fraudulent, unusual, and unfair. 
Nazarbayev still plays puppet master for the country behind the scenes. In 2013, in a small town called Kalachi, hundreds of people fell asleep for days, and some did for weeks. And then after this, 152 died. This came out of nowhere and shocked the world. It was declared as a national emergency, and scientists were puzzled until they started to do some real ground research. This research showed that the effects of this were coming from a uranium mine owned by the Russians, which had been delved into in the past, but never fully explored. And then another thing that happened before... Nazarbayev left office was the alphabet change. In 2017, he declared that the languages of the nation would be shifted from Cyrillic to a new Latin-based Kazakh. The background of this is that Russian was forced as the main language in Kazakhstan during the Soviet period. Even since the end of Soviet rule, Russia did not allow Kazakhstan to protest or resist hard. Russia has a habit of shutting down the internet in the country, silencing protests, silencing journalists, and controlling Kazakh railways. So, Russia undoubtedly represents a power that has tight control over Kazakhstan, but is still an ally for military purposes, and that's pretty much where they are today. In order to shift from the Soviet past and Russification, Kazakhstan is now shifting its language to a basis in Latin rather than Cyrillic. The nation is going to spend nearly $100 million to teach the new language to its teachers, people, and kids. And this is also a greater representation of Kazakhstan trying to create a neutral relation where it has good connections with Russia, but also good connections with the West, which is a Latin-speaking part of the world. And surprisingly enough, when COVID-19 hit in 2020, it actually came at a perfect time for the government. This was because the people of Kazakhstan respected social distancing and quarantine mandates, so any protests or resistance against the government that were going to happen at the time faded away. And as of 2023, these protests were pushed back so far that the fire under the people has kind of been burned out, and the current government and the president... Tokayev are very likely to remain in power despite the distaste from the people. However, in January of 2022, nationwide peaceful protests started as a response to the substantial rise in gas prices, but eventually these protests became violent. Allegedly, the violence was started by supporters of the former president, Nazarbayev. President Tokayev requested assistance from the Russian troops in restoring order. The Russians granted them this and approved a shoot-to-kill order for security forces. Hundreds of people were killed and hundreds more were detained, many of whom, who were protesting peacefully, were imprisoned, tortured, and some were executed. And all that gets us to the present tense, where Kazakhstan is seen as a medium to highly developed nation on the Human Development Index. The city of Astana and other large ones are very advanced with a lot of opportunities for its people. Rural Kazakhstan is wildly unadvanced and the people don't have access to care. However, they still maintain their nomadic lifestyle and a lot of nomad practices, and Kazakhstan also competes in the nomad games every few years. The current president seems to be pursuing democratic processes, but is constantly accused of corruption. Kazakhstan is currently in a tough spot, with Russia on high alert and the country itself not growing at a steady rate. With hope, local tensions will calm down, and innocent Kazakhs will be able to come out on top in all democratic processes. Those that have died from protests and other resistances should be honored and not forgotten, as Kazakhstan has many times been a place where human rights abuses have been overly present, and the hope for the future is that all of this goes away without there ever being a time where we forget the victims of these abuses. And that gets us to the end of this very long and very tumultuous history the Kazakhs have lived through. And with that, I always like to do a takeaway or a mindset to learn from the history. And with this, it's going to be do not give up and do not back down. The Kazakhs have been through a lot these last few hundred years. They've been abused by the Russians. They've faced genocide. They've been starved. They've had their rights stripped away. The people have been abused. People have been shot in the streets. 
all sorts of things like that. But despite this, they've always adapted and resisted very, very hard. Kazakhstan now has changed its language from Cyrillic-based, which is very similar to Russian, to go to Latin to spite Russia and to really engage in their culture and make themselves Kazakh rather than some weird Russian cousin or anything that they don't want to be. And no matter how good or bad relations are with Russia, Kazakhstan is its own place. And they really want to emphasize that, especially considering how horrible their history has been with the Russian government. And the way they've gotten through all of this has been resistance. They've resisted against Russian mandates. They've resisted against russification. They've resisted against the invasions from other people groups like the Zungars and the Scythians and all these over thousands of years. And with that, they have maintained themselves, they've maintained their autonomy, and they are the country we know them as today. I say you can 100% apply that same thing to yourself. Hold on tight to what matters to you, fight hard for what you believe in, and just don't give up. Resist, 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 because people are going to try in maybe some big ways to put you down. Maybe if you're of an underprivileged group and you're in the Western world, the United States, Europe, anywhere, you're going to have harder practices put upon you. It's going to be harder for you to get to the same place. Maybe if you're a woman in a certain industry, it's going to be harder for you to do things in that area. And even if it's not something like that, let's just say you're a person, like you're just average everyday Joe in a place where your background isn't part of the issue, which is rare because people are racist and gross. But let's just say it's a neutral scenario. Even then, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get people who push down against you, people who try and take you away from what is important to you, all sorts of things like that. So with that, you just need to resist. You need to resist that, and you need to persevere and push forward, just like the Kazakhs have, to get to a point where you are okay. Because there's always going to be people challenging you, always going to be people telling you that you shouldn't be on this path, you shouldn't do this. It's a whole lot of rah-rah. All that matters is you follow your path, you follow it to a T, and you believe in your heart that what you're doing is the best for you, and you go from there, and you go be great. So if you want to be great in this way, be like the Kazakhs, and just don't stop resisting. With that is the last thing I want to say to you guys. I always like to do that little takeaway as a reason as to why we study this history, even beyond the fact that history is sick, and if you don't study it, you're a moron. But, you know, it's part of it. So, very glad that you guys are here. Very glad you listened to this. And Kazakhstan is one of those countries where, you know, the average Joe isn't going to know a darn thing about it, except for maybe the region of the world it's in. They'll know from the suffix, like, oh, it's probably Middle East area, and just say something dumb like that. So, now you're well-educated. Now you know what these people have gone through why they act the way they do, why their government operates the way it does, and you can figure out their future as it happens and be a part of the solution. So very, very glad you guys were here. And with all that, I'm just going to say one more time, my name is Reese Garlinski. This is Young History, and that beautiful big country was Kazakhstan. I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you have a great day. Have a good one.